Welcome, everyone. So glad that you're joining us today. And uh, it's really great to have some more of my worship team friends with me again this week who I haven't seen in a while. And we're all really excited to bring these songs before your heart today. So worship with us and prepare to hear from Pastor Dan as we get into part two of our new series, The Jesus Way. So let's sing. One, two, three, four.
Amen. Amen. Uh, we offer God our praise today and we bless his name because he is worthy. Our scripture reading for today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It reads this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Our God has a heart of mercy toward us, a heart of comfort toward us. He provides us with living hope now and for forever. And so let's praise his name and worship him together, our living hope.
and a God of comfort, a God of love. And we praise your name today as we rejoice in our living hope through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name I pray, amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to take a big breath in, hold it for a second, and then we're gonna let it out. Ready? Let's do that together. Big breath in. Hold it. Now exhale. All right. Let's do that again, but I'm going to switch something up on you, all right? So we're going to do a a big breath in when I tell you, and then we're going to hold it when I tell you. Okay, ready? Big breath in. Hold it. Now don't let go. Hold it. Hold it for an hour and a half. Impossible, right? I set you up for failure. In the passages that we're looking at in this new series, where we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes a group of people up on a hillside. And the people on a hillside were burdened, stressed, worried, fearful about what the future is going to hold because they didn't know what was going to happen. And Jesus gives them these words in a way it feels like he's setting them up for failure, just like I did to you there. It feels like instead of giving them a really easy answer for an easy life, He sets them up for failure. He gives them these eight markers that say, here's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. But when you see these eight markers, it seems that these are impossible for a human being to do. And the reason it seems like they're impossible is because they are. Jesus was not setting these people up for failure, though it looked like it. He was setting them up for godliness. 
You see, as people, we sometimes think that everything that Jesus says is like a little phrase for, to make us happy. It's a little phrase to make our lives better. And if he doesn't do that, then he's not being Jesus. But that's not it at all. Jesus loves us more than that. When Jesus gives us his phrases, he doesn't have in mind our comfort and our happiness on earth, our earthly comforts, our earthly happiness alone. He has something bigger in mind. He has our godliness in mind. He wants us to be drawn close to him. And when Jesus was setting that bar high for those people on the hillside, he was doing it so that they would come and look to him. Many times we think everything Jesus says to make us happy, but that's not Jesus' goal. He loves us more than that. Jesus is more concerned that we get connected to him. It's a better way of life. And in this passage, we're going to see one of these eight pillars, these eight markers that Jesus lays out in what we're calling the Jesus way or the Beatitudes that help us become more like God intended. But we're going to understand and see really quickly, we can't do that in our own strength. We need Jesus to do these things. The purpose of these beatitudes, these eight pillars of the Jesus way, is to bring us to the end of our self-reliance, to bring us to the end of our self-independence. They're intended to cause us to look to Jesus, to live for Jesus, and to lean into Jesus. One Bible commentator said this, that the purpose of the Beatitudes are to slay us, that we see our need for Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was trying to do here. So we want to look at these things and I'm, our, my prayer during this time is that God would use these things to help us lean into Jesus and to be more like him. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament about, Testament about three quarters of the way through. Also, if you have a phone, uh, I encourage you to use our church center app for Crossview Church. The verse that I'll be preaching on is there along with all the sermon notes as well. So you can get all that right there in that app. But the one uh, beatitude or the pillar of Jesus' way that we're going to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 5 verse 4. Matthew 5, verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is saying those who mourn are approved by God. Those who mourn receive God's approval. And there's a growing attitude in our culture that says we can't mourn. We can't grieve. We should just be happy all the time. Do not mourn and grieve. That's the kind of message that's sent through our culture. This idea that grieving and mourning is bad. I do quite a few, quite a few funerals outside of Crossview Church for our city. I look at it as a service to our community. If there's people who don't attend a church, but they want to have a Christian funeral for their loved one, I'll go ahead and perform those funerals. And one thing I found, even that in the 10 years I've done that, is more and more these days, people are resistant to grieving and mourning. They'll often say to me, now, pastor, don't make any references that will make us sad. We're not here to grieve, pastor. We're here to celebrate a life. And it feels so disingenuous to me. And it feels like 
It takes away the dignity of the person who passed away because when we grieve and we mourn their life, we're saying that they made a difference in our life. We're saying that they had an impact. And if we take away the grief in the mourning, it's almost like it never happened. But that's kind of the growing trend in our culture today. It's telling us we can't grieve and mourn. In fact, many people are opting not to have a funeral service. Instead, we just go to a bar and have a celebration of life where we stay happy. And we tell all the great stories, but we never really grieve or mourn. The culture says we can't be sad, we can't grieve, we can't mourn. It shows how addicted to earthly comfort we have become. But that is the opposite of what God desires. Imagine the type of people we will become if we never grieve or we never mourn. You see, the person who mourns nothing loves nothing. If you never grieve or mourn, it means you never really truly loved. And that's what God is getting at. Jesus says those who mourn are approved by God and they find his favor because they are acting in the way God wanted us to act, that our hearts are attached to people that he cares about. And there's so much for us to grieve and mourn over in our country today. Obviously, when we hear the words grief and mourn, we think of death. That's a normal thing because that's the ultimate thing we grieve and we mourn over. But you can grieve and mourn over lots of different losses. Not just death, but you can grieve over the loss of a dream or the loss of a job or the loss of a broken relationship that's kind of in shambles now or the loss of what should have been. The brokenness of our world gives us all sorts of things to grieve and mourn over. And when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, he was saying that you are approved by God when you mourn, and it's a good thing to do that. Jesus had two things in mind when he was thinking of us mourning. First, he was thinking that we would mourn over our fallen world. We would mourn over our fallen world and the effects of a fallen world. You see, when God created human beings, he created us in his image in the Garden of Eden in Adam and Eve. And it was perfect. And God looked at it and he said, this is good. This is how he intended humanity to live. But then in Genesis chapter 3, it says that sin entered the world when the human race rebelled against God and turned their back on God. And the minute they did that, the minute they sinned, all of a sudden brokenness entered into paradise. All of a sudden suffering came and sin came and these uh, sickness came and the brokenness and fallenness of our world happened and it's been like that ever since. Ever since that moment, we've lived in the fallenness of our world where we see things that aren't right. We see things that make us sad. We see things that we wish we can change. Tragedy and horrible, horrible things are a result of this fallen world that happened that moment in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden and have stuck with us ever since. And Jesus says the right response is to grieve and mourn over this fallen world. You know, Jesus did that when he was on earth. There's a time that is recorded in John chapter 11 where Jesus went to the gravesite of his friend Lazarus. His friend Lazarus died and his, Lazarus's sisters, Martha and Mary, sent for Jesus, but he was in a town far away. But when he came, Lazarus was already dead and Lazarus' sisters said, if you were here, you could have saved him. And in that 
moment before he performs a miracle and brings Lazarus back from the dead, something amazing happened. In the moments before he raises Lazarus from the dead, it says in the Bible text that Jesus wept. And it wasn't like he just shed a tear. He, he was sobbing. And if you think about it, why would Jesus weep when he knows he's God? He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus will be with him. He'll be comforted. He'll be like it always was. Jesus, you don't have to weep. You're going to change all this that's making this sad. But Jesus wept anyway. And the reason Jesus wept is because Jesus was fully God and he was fully human. And when he saw what took place, when he saw the death of his friend Lazarus, when he saw the effect that had on Lazarus's sisters, when he saw the effect that had on the people around, he saw the effects of a fallen world through God-human eyes. And in his full godness and his full humanity, he saw the effects of a broken world, a fallen world, and he wept because he knew it was not supposed to be like this. A fallen world isn't how God intended it to be. And so Jesus wept and, and he calls us to grieve and mourn over a fallen world. The second thing we are to mourn over is our own sin. Part of that fall uh, made it so that sin entered into our hearts as humanity. When Adam and Eve sinned, the human race was affected by sin ever since. Every single human from that point on had this propensity to sin, this sinful nature placed within us. So we have a desire for sin and we keep sinning because we love it. We have this love for sin inside of us that came through the fall of Adam and Eve and has happened for every human since has this not only a ability to sin, but a desire for sinful things. And what God is saying when he says, blessed are the mourn, he's saying that we should mourn over our own personal sin, not take comfort in it. God wants us to grieve over our sin, not be content with it. Not just say, well, that's just how it is. God wants us to grieve over what isn't right. God wants us to grieve over our personal sin and cry out to him that we'd be saved. So those are two things that we are to mourn over. Now I want to talk about why it is good for us to mourn. Why it is good for us to mourn. First, it shows that you have a hunger for the kingdom of God. When you mourn, it shows that you have a hunger for paradise. You long for God's kingdom. When you become a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have this hunger for the kingdom of God to be displayed in your life and the life that you ha live around you. You have this desire for God's kingdom to rule and to reign. And when that doesn't happen, you mourn and that's a good thing. When you are created for heaven and the kingdom, you will grieve over anything that is anti-kingdom. When the things that are not of God are happening around us, we grieve and we mourn. We mourn over the broken things that are different than how God wanted it to be. We grieve over the things that aren't happening like God intended. When I look at our country and I see things like racism, it causes me to grieve and it causes us as God's people to grieve because God never intended that. It's a sin. It's a sin to hate someone because of the color of their skin. Because God says all people 
every human being, regardless of their race and ethnicity, are made in the image of God. And God hates it when we don't act out in love towards people who are different than us. That's God's way. In fact, one pastor, Andy Stanley, this week said in a sermon, it's not enough for the people of God to be non-racist. The people of God need to be anti-racist. And if we're going to bring the kingdom of God to our nation in this time and place, we have to come with a love that is stronger than racism. We have to be proactive in naming what is wrong about racism and then bringing a love that conquers racism. We need to be anti-racists as the people of God. It's not enough for us to be neutral. It's not enough for us to just say it's wrong. We got to be on the offensive, bringing the kingdom and the love of God to our nation in this time and place. That's what God's calling us to do, to be kingdom people. There are other things we can grieve and mourn over as well. There's plenty of brokenness around. We can grieve and mourn over abuse. We can grieve and mourn over cancer. All these things are not how God intended. And they bother us because we long for the things of God. We long for God's kingdom. We long for what's true, what's good, what's godly because we hunger his kingdom. The second thing, the second reason is good for us to grieve is because it shows we have a heart of compassion. It shows that we have compassion towards other people. You see, when we grieve and we mourn, we empathize with people who are going through suffering and affliction. And that grieving, that mourning creates a compassion within us to pray for them, to love them, to comfort them in a human sense so that we can help them and be Jesus to them. So grieving and mourning creates a heart of compassion. You see, this is how God intended us to be. And when we live in a world and a culture that says, no, you can't do this, it's pulling us away from the things of God. A message that says we're supposed to always have earthly comfort, we're supposed to have, always have earthly happiness, that's counterculture to Jesus' kingdom and the Jesus way. In 2004, there was a presidential election in Ukraine. And the incumbent president at the time was a very corrupt man. He was a horrible man. He led a dictatorship that oppressed the people of Ukraine. And there was a challenger named Viktor Yushchenko who was running in the presidential election to beat him, to bring a more uh, better way to the people of Ukraine, to bring justice to the unjust things that were happening, to right what was wrong. And Yushchenko was getting all these votes and it turned out the reality is Viktor Yushchenko won the election and rightfully deserved to be the president. But this dictator president who was the incumbent who who was in control, he and his team decided they're going to lie to the people of Ukraine and say that Viktor Yushchenko lost the election and that they retained the power and that the people chose them to stay in power in the country of Ukraine. And so they went on television that night and the incumbent president begins speaking about how he is the winner of the election and how he, by a long shot, beat Viktor Yushchenko. And Viktor Yushchenko didn't have that many votes and he is the one who remains in power. But something happened that brought out the truth. In the little box in the television window was someone who was interpreting for the deaf 
and they were giving the message in sign language. And as this dictator incumbent president was declaring himself the winner of the election, the person who was in that box interpreting for deaf people using sign language was courageous enough to say, no, what they're saying is a lie. Viktor Yushchenko is the one who really is the winner of the election because that interpreter was in the room where they schemed all these things. And now that interpreter was brave enough and courageous enough to tell the truth and say, no, don't listen to these people. I'm ashamed of what they're saying. They are lying to you. Viktor Yushchenko won. And that a group of deaf people in the country of Ukraine led what was called the Orange Revolution because of that interpreter. And they began to communicate to everybody what was the truth, that Viktor Yushchenko won by a long shot. And because of that, that election was reversed. And Viktor Yushchenko won the presidency in Ukraine in 2004 because that one person stood for what was true and what was right. You see, we live in a culture that tells us lies all the time. It tells us our earthly comforts and our earthly happiness has to trump everything else in life. Our earthly comforts have to rule and reign. And Jesus is in that box of the screen of our life saying, no, it's not true. The truth is you need to follow me and I will give you life. Don't be duped by the way of this world thinking that earthly comfort and earthly happiness are what rules and reign. My way and my uh, desires are what to rule and reign, or what to rule and reign in your life. And when they do, you find real life. You find real peace. You find real satisfaction and joy when Jesus rules and reigns. There's a better way. Those who mourn receive a great promise. Look at verse four. It says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted." See, when you mourn, you receive comfort from God himself. Those who mourn according to Jesus receive a heavenly comfort. It doesn't mean the pain goes away in an instant. But as you grieve well, as you mourn well, when you're grieving and mourning the things that hurt you and you invite God in, he comes into those places and brings his eternal comfort, not just a weak earthly comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-4 to four says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. We serve the God of mercies. We serve a God of comfort who enters into our pain and walks with us in it. And he heals our wounds. And even if those wounds leave scars, they also leave a trust that has been built because God entered our pain and brings comfort so that we could comfort others. But it's not just a comfort in this life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and surrender to him and allow, ask him to come into your life and change you, you don't just get a comfort in the here and now. You get a comfort that lasts for eternity. So when you die and you stand before God, you will enter heaven because of your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and who he is. And you receive an eternal comfort where you will spend eternity at peace, in paradise, in the presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever. You see, that's a reward that's given to those who recognize their need for God and surrender their lives to him. 
He brings not just a comfort in this life that's stronger than our earthly comforts, but a comfort that lasts beyond. God is not into giving us a pain-free life. He's into giving us a life that draws us close to him. Because when we're drawn close to him, we find true life. And we find what's real. We find what's better. How do we get that comfort? Through Jesus Christ alone. One of the things I love to do is to get away on retreats where I go off somewhere quiet and I try to stop the noise of this world and the noise of my heart and the noise of my mind and tune into God and I read his word and I'll take a section and read it over and over and over and let it penetrate my heart. And the reason I do that is because God says, if you seek me, you will find me. And I need to find God. And so I purposely build times in my life where I seek after him and I close off everything else and I try to seek after him. And when I seek after him, I always find him. He brings a comfort. He brings a peace. He brings an assurance that kind of washes away the residue of this world and allows me to focus on him and receive his peace and be the person he's called me to be. And in my last retreat where I spent time doing this, God reminded me of something very, very important. And it's gonna sound very basic to you, but it was so what I needed at the time. God came to me and said, you know what? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over my desire for comfort in this earth. He's Lord over my desire for earthly ways. He's Lord over all my preferences and opinions. He's Lord over all my abilities to try to pastor a church. Jesus is Lord. He is the one who rules and reigns. Do you believe that? Can you make that confession that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that in your heart and your mind? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get new life. When you come to that place where you recognize Jesus is Lord. When we declare Jesus is Lord, we open the door for our mourning to be comforted. Do you come here today grieving something? Do you come here today overwhelmed by something? Do you need the comfort of God that's beyond an earthly comfort, but it's a comfort from heaven to meet you where you are? Confess that Jesus is Lord. Invite him into that pain. Invite him into that place. Say, God, I give this to you. Let him begin to heal you with his presence and his power. And it's a comfort that will last beyond this day, beyond this age, and will go into eternity because he is our comforter. This week, I'm going to invite you to do something. I want all of us as Crossview Church to work through a devotion that's put in the YouVersion app on a phone. If you have this app, I encourage you to take it out and go to the plan section and look at the Bible plan that's called Six Days with Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon in uh, England during the late 1800s. And he was a man who had a passion for Jesus Christ. And if you have six days with Spurgeon, you're going to have six days with Jesus. And there's a devotion that will take you through six days that will help us to make that declaration, not just 
only in our mouth, but with our hearts and our minds that Jesus is Lord. So I want to encourage us as Crossview Church family to follow that devotional this coming week in the Version Bible app. And today, I want to encourage you to make that confession with your mouth and your heart in all truthfulness, in all reality, in all authenticity, no matter what you're facing in life today, come to that place where you say, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, you've called us to mourn and to grieve the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of our sin because you want to create a hunger in us for the kingdom of God. And I thank you that you promise that when we grieve for those things, you bring a comfort to us, a comfort beyond anything else we can imagine. So God, I just ask now that you would help us and give us strength to not listen to the culture and the ways of this world, but to really grieve over the fallenness of the world we live in and to grieve over our sin that we may receive true comfort and true life. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
sing alleluia Christ is risen bow down Crossview Church, take this blessing with you on your week this week. May the God of heaven and all creation and all that is right and true fill you with his heart that you would grieve and mourn over the broken things you see in this land and that grief and mourn mourning would lead you to the comfort and the grace and the power and the peace of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.